If you're struggling with keeping your project stamina, this is your problem. Hey, if you're new to the channel, I go by the name of ED for all you smart and intelligent folks out there. Listen, that just simply means it. I have an eight point framework in which in those eight points, I give you eight really good, you know, research. No, I'm just playing. No, I really give you good, some good eight points that is either through experience or research uh, or research that I've actually experienced. So with no further ado, today's episode is entitled Project Chaos to Clarity. Eight must-known survival tips. Again, Project Chaos to Clarity, eight must-known survival tips. Family, I hope you enjoy this. We're just going to have some fun. Do you mind if I tell you a story? There was a book when I took this class, uh, or course, excuse me, and the book was called Start Ugly. The author is uh, Chris, and his last name starts with a K, so I don't want to mispronounce it and, and look bad, but it's not about looking bad. It's really about how you say his last name. But anyway, I digress. Anyway, family, so um, as part of the class or the course, we had to read this book. And, you know, I love reading books and I'm like, all right, man, I'm excited. Let me pick up the book. So I, I get the Audible and then um, I also get the um, the Kindle version of the, the book. And I'm sitting there, I get through page one, page two. And all of a sudden, I'm not able to put this book down. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is this is talking about me a little bit in here. And the concept of the book, really, family, just from a high level, again, I do, I don't have a link. I'm just, this is one of those things where I'm just really telling you, family, go check this book out, especially if you struggle with these things I'm going to cover here today. The book was about the need to prioritize action and innovation over perfection. Again, it was really about prioritizing action and innovation over perfection. And the real, the just of that, and the reason why I'm sharing this here, because you're like, hey, Ed, what does this have to do with the, you know, the eight must know? Well, there has a lot to do with it, and I want to set the foundational work here. And the reason why it has a lot to do with their family is because of the fact that a lot of times, especially as project managers, especially just in general, especially if you have that perfect syndrome, which I use, I am now, um, I've, I've, I officially can say I've been cured of. Um, if you would like to take my class on that here, dial one nine hundred. No, I'm just playing. No, seriously, though, family, I'm cured from that because of the fact of that I realize I've seen more success instead of trying to perfect things versus trying to perfect it. And then all of a sudden you get to that perfection thing and you're still able to find things wrong with it. And in that book, it, it really talks about how you see a lot of people that get started yet can't complete because of the perfection syndrome. And I was so guilty of it. I would start a lot of things or I would I would stop the project, be like, well, no, this is not perfect enough. We can't move forward instead of doing, you know, and I, I don't know if it gave it in this book, but it just started making me think about previous examples when Microsoft first came out with, you know, their um, software and there were a lot of bugs and they still kept and they were fixing those bugs on the way. And that's why I love one of the frameworks, which is uh, Scrum, uh, as well as like Kanban and all those things. But the point I'm trying to make here for this video family is, is that we I, I think because we've been conditioned during elementary all the way up to high school, even college, that failing is a bad thing. We don't want to start as, as the book stated, start ugly, meaning starting ugly is like today 
I got this thing under my, under my chin. I, I know I don't know why we're going in all this today, family, but I'm just feeling good. Maybe because it's a day before, day or two before Thanksgiving. Uh, but I'm just feeling amazing. And so I was like, you know, well, I'll wait until I do a video and till I, you know, to this thing, you know, I'm, I'm sitting up there shaving. I'm trying to get ready for the video and boom, cut myself. Now I had two options. Option one was, hey, I'll just not be consistent and I'll use this as an excuse to get out of doing a video. Or option two, hey, I'll start ugly. I mean, literally start ugly and just go ahead and move forward anyway. And so I, I sum all that up to, to put myself and make fun of myself, family, is, is that if we don't start ugly, meaning if we don't get started and prioritize action, actionable outputs, we're always going to be stuck in our in, in our projects because we're trying to make the perfect pro, have the perfect project instead of being able to take advantage of going through different processes to correct uh, the issues uh, that we may have, which can eventually get us to a good state where uh, we can hand the project over. So. With no further ado, I'll get into my eight. I know that was a long-winded thing, but family, I really want to share that just to set the foundation. So point number one, leadership. Listen, leadership is definitely pivotal when you are course correcting or really um, making sure that you are going from chaos uh, to and almost to victory. Because a lot of times, if your project doesn't have chaos in it in, at a certain points within the project, then the project is, is way too good to be true. Something is about to come at to get you at the end or people are not telling you the truth of what is actually going on in the project. And that's where good leadership comes in. No, excuse me, I'm sorry. That's where exceptional leadership comes in and having exceptional leadership is really being the one to make the tough decisions and being able to come in and inspire your team and say, hey, how can I help? How can I assist? Now, I don't wanna get caught up in doing all the work, but I wanna get caught up in supporting you to collaborate. If there's 10 pieces here, let me take three or four off your, your, your piece, uh, off your, your plate, and then while you're working on the, se the seven, because that way we're collaborating together versus when I say, hey, let me, let me see how, uh, tell me how I can support you. And then you just hand me over all your work. It doesn't work that way, family. It, it works. It works as we collaborate. That means coming together. Okay, I'm sorry. You can tell that something just happened to me. I'm on a tangent. Anyway, point number two, learn and adapt. So many people would rather learn, but they won't adapt. So many people will adapt, but they refuse to learn. See, the ability to be able to learn and adapt really gives you, you know, an opportunity for growth. I remember when I started off in this career, we were learning, all we were using Microsoft Project. That was it, Microsoft Project. And then I went to another company, they didn't use Microsoft Project. And I'm like, okay, how do you track your well, we don't track it in, in Microsoft Project. I think I forgot the tool that they were using, but it was a different tool than Microsoft Project. Went to another company. They just use uh, your Microsoft Excel sheets. And then it was another one that you, so it was that used a different tool. And so, so being able to be adaptable as a project manager, you always have to be adaptable because there's new tools out there. There's so many new tools that I've learned that I have to continue to go back and relearn because if you're not using them frequently, then it's hard to remember how to how to use them as much. So being able to, to really look at your past experiences and apply them to your new experiences 
but not, but only using bits and pieces from there. My theory has always been, or I shouldn't say my theory of my, my, the way my ideology has been using the rear view mirror to look behind you and the front glass to be able to look in front of you. And what that translates to is just basically saying, Hey, I want to see some of the things I could have done better. Okay. Got it. Some of the things that went left. Okay. Got it. Now I look in a windshield uh, mirror and say, these are the things that I'm going to do this time around. So those things don't happen. Don't mean that they were bad, but there's a, a different way to attack the problem. Let's move on to point number three. This is key. And I've shared this before family. I started using this more and more time management. So I started putting my phone in do not disturb when I'm in meetings. And the reason why I started doing this is because uh, you could get distracted from a notification. And as a project manager, you need to be locked in to what is going on. Who's taking up too much of the meeting, meaning that they're not giving other, the other stakeholders uh, opportunity to talk. Who's not talking that should be talking. Uh, maybe you need to ask some probing questions to get them out and make them feel comfortable to talk in front of people. So for me, when I'm in a meeting, my phone is in do not disturb. Now I have a couple people <laughs> and they know who they are that are able to get through. Uh, other than that, uh, if you're not on that list, it's no disrespect, but respectfully, uh, I'm in a meeting and I don't want to have to say, hey, let me call you back when all I could do is just call you back. Now, if it's an emergency, we can figure that all out. But what I'm saying, family, using that do not disturb, you know, I'm feeling really good today, as you can tell. Also, another technique I use, I was, and I wish I could figure out who it was, it was a CEO, and they were asking him about time management. And he said, what he does, he said, a lot of people use calendars and which you should, they're great. He was like, but what I found effective, and I actually started using this as well, which is so effective, is using the alarms on your phone. Oh my God, I, I, was, I was like, this is crazy. Cause when I started doing it, I was like, now I'm actually, I'm, I'm five to 10 minutes ahead of time as far as being on time to a meeting, or if I've been in a meeting and I'm so caught up in the meeting, I don't, you know, cause sometimes you can lose track, like, oh, especially if you have back to back. So having those uh, times already preset in my phone, like I look at my calendar, okay, I got a one o'clock, okay, I got a two o'clock or, and I got a two 30 right after that. So being able to set alarms, you know, using the alarm function, um, like you would, like if you were waking up or, or anything like that. Oh my, that is really effective family. You should test it out. Leave a comment. If you try it out, I'd be curious to see how effective it was for you, but time managed, being able to take back your time. Another book that I'm going to recommend is by Dan Kennedy called Renegade Millionaire in which he really emphasizes the point of being taking, using your time wisely and stop allowing people to, uh, really take over your time. You know, have you ever been um, doing something and all of a sudden a call came in? Most of the time it might be a telemarketer or something of that nature. And you're like, oh man, uh, you just like, you're trying to figure it out. Like, should I take the call? And, and because of the curiosity side of us, we'll pick up the call, phone call and be like, Hey, do you have five minutes? And you're like, sure. Especially for me, I'm a guy, I love sales because I, I, I know what it's like working in that business. So anytime someone wants to sell me, I'm curious to see what the pitch is. Uh, and so I'll listen and the five minutes turns into 25 minutes. Cause they're going through, they're trying to stop all my rebuttals and all of this. But anyway, I digress. So point I'm trying to make family is, is that we have to guard our time wisely. Point number four, stakeholder engagement. 
being able to build a support network that focuses on engaging stakeholders at every stage. What did you just say? Watch your mouth. I meant every stage. You know the stages initiating, planning, executing, monitoring, controlling, and closing. Each of these stages, we need to be focusing in and locked in to see what is going on. Are these aligned with our project goals? If they're not, why are we doing it, family? Talk to me about that. Let's move on to point number five. Knowledge management, or I like to say organizational process assets or OPAs that we say in our world, and being able to really document the lessons learned, not at the end, but through the whole project that could allow someone else that may have a similar, and we all know projects are unique, but there may be something in similarity there that they could use your um your, and it may just be a stakeholder that's similar that, you know, they can look at it and say, oh, okay, so you had that difficult. Okay, I'll take what you said there. Let me try it out and see if it'll work here. And maybe they put their own mix or, or remix on it or however. So family, ensure through the whole project when you're leading a project, make sure that you are practicing proper knowledge man management by documenting your lessons learned through the entire project. Now, this is one of my favorites that's just been newly added as one of my favorites because you already know communication and collaboration are normally the ones that I always talk about here. Um, so point number six is governance and accountability. You know, a lot of times you have people doing multiple roles or don't know what their role is in, uh, at all. So we have to draw a, a line in the sand. And I say we, we collectively as a, as a project team, we have to say, hey, these are the things you're re responsible for and these are the things that you're accountable for. Now, I know you might say, well, what, what, what's the dif difference? Well, you may be accountable for the, 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 for the output, but somebody else may be responsible for the actual results that allow you to get the output. I hope that makes sense. That allows you to get that allows you to get the uh, output. So all I'm saying here, family, is that we have to hold our stakeholders accountable and they have to hold us accountable the same way and make sure that we deliver and do what we said we we're going to do. Point number seven, establish a robust communication channel. Listen, family, you already know communication is one of my favorite. So I won't beat this up because you know, I got many videos talking about communication. Say what? I said communication, my guy. Anyway, effective communication is really a linchpin on clarity. Being able to effective, effectively communicate means you are creating a sense of clarity between you and the receiver of the communication. If they can't understand it, you we have to continue to work to figure out what's that channel. And it may be verbal, it may be written, it may be, I don't know, putting a pigeon, I mean, pigeon in the air with a note. I don't know, I'm just playing, but no, seriously, family, we have to ensure that we do that effectively. All right, let's move on to the last and final point. Last and final point, point number eight is strategic planning as your compass. Hey, listen, really just making sure that the strategic goals that we all agreed of when this project started, you know, via the project charter or the business case, more or less the project charter, we would get access to the business case. But what I'm saying here, family, is just making sure we are guiding this project or leading this project effectively through the roadmap that we've identified collectively as a group and as a team. I hope this helps someone today. You know my motto, you know my slogan. Until next time, I'm out.